0: Hey guys, welcome to Olympic Coaching Podcast. Today, and today I'm talking about soy, and so this is a, a really huge topic, and I, I want you guys to to listen in on this today, and come at it with like an an open and broad perspective, because this is a huge debate amongst the the health industry, the nutrition industry, and everything um, about what's the value of soy? Is it like this? Is it a miracle thing, or is it a dangerous thing? Uh, when there's cultures around the world that have been having it for generations, thousands of years, literally. Um, and what about like the, um, modern diet now? And so as we dive into soy today, like I want you to have some, I want you to walk away with some practical confidence, um, to know where you want to stand and also know how you may choose to use soy or not. And so, but the bigger goal is I want you to walk away with today is how like cherry picking articles and claims and making different overarching conclusions can really, uh, Cause tons of questions, and it can cause you to make overarching conclusions that um, aren't necessarily true at all. Um, and it can also cause you or even like society at large to believe certain things that aren't necessarily true, uh, making extreme claims or extreme theories that aren't necessarily true in their entirety. And so, um, listen in today, and if this is something that really piques your interest and, and helps you. Uh, Even just get an idea of like, wow, like, man, nutrition is this big topic that I don't have the bandwidth. I don't have the the full understanding or the desire to like fully, I mean, try to figure that out myself. I don't think I can. Then, man, consider our coaching. Like a huge part of what I do is, is just that is nutrition and lifestyle coaching. I do a lot as a professional to make sure that I... Can understand it and help you practically understand what's going to work for you the best solution for you as an individual because every single body is different and I want to help you understand how your body how you your lifestyle is going to help you fit uh, is going to help fit your goals to help you make progress towards your goals and you don't have to be perfect thankfully along the way uh, but it's about progress not perfection so I'm excited about it and let's jump into the podcast today All right, so many people in the in the Western world, especially, are, are really kind of like afraid of soy because there's like this big rumor, uh, or the big, big kind of a belief, actually, that soy uh, will increase your estrogen levels, and that can be uh, not so good for both men and women it can really mess with uh the way their their bodies work but is that actually true um like are we walking around with tons of estrogen in our system is that really messing up men if they have any soy at all um or what about other cultures in the world there's other cultures in the world that have soy part of their regular diet every single day they use different uh, products like tofu or tempeh or the soybean itself or soybean oil Um, is it actually harmful at all um and but are or are we walking around with just like tons of estrogen dumped in our system if we have been consuming soy? so let's learn about soy today so first, the question we want to address is where does soy come from? Well, it comes from the soybean um and soybeans are often like a really mass produced crop it's um the ninety percent of soybean crops in America are. Um, GMOs means genetically modified Um, and I mean they're mass-produced and the large largest amount of them actually used in agricultural products or other biofuels and things like that so it's actually a really essential um, agricultural product but um, soy the soybean originates from East Asia um, around 10,000 ish years ago is when it was first cultivated North America and Europe didn't cultivate it until the 17th and 18th centuries and because of its prominence, it's been the focus of numerous studies. Uh, there's tons of stuff out there. Uh, but I'm bringing to you the most, most recent stuff today. Not going back into the old stuff. I'm trying to stay the most current literature reviews and everything so that you guys can have confidence moving forward today. Um And you have to be careful when you read research on this because many of the research studies can be biased uh, because they're funded by the soy industry itself. It's a huge industry. Um, That doesn't disqualify all the research necessarily, but it does make you have to be mindful as you read about it. But So what is soy used for? Um, Well, there's some minimally processed soy products such as uh, tofu, tempeh, miso, Soy sauce or soy milk, um, these are used more in like Asian countries and they only account for around 10% of total soy consumption worldwide, so relatively low. Uh, the Western countries also use soy widely in imitation meats or vegan products uh, to try to increase the protein. Um, and so industrial production is huge, huge, huge thing. This is 90% of soybeans. Uh, that are used is ninety uh, percent of soybeans are grown and are processed into soybean meal or soybean oil. About ninety percent of the soybeans grown are genetically modified, like I mentioned before. Nearly all the soybean meal that is used uh, that is produced is used in livestock feed as a plant source of protein. Um, it's normally just in the uh, poultry and swine industries, actually. A minority of the soy meal is further processed to make soy flours or soy protein isolates or concentrates. And soybean oil is used widely in biofuels, in paints, in plastics, uh, and in pharmaceuticals. So it's actually a really essential agricultural product for many of the things that we use and consume day to day, even stuff that we don't eat. Uh, But soybean oil accounts for about eight percent of all the calories that americans consume mostly in like really processed foods um so it's a cheap oil because it's so massively produced and it's resistant to high heat it's it's higher in polyunsaturated fatty acids it has some uh it has a decent omega six to omega three profile Uh, i can talk more about that later but um it's an industrial oil along with corn, cottonseed, safflower, sunflower, and canola oil. And they're all processed enough that they can actually become pro inflammatory if consumed in high amounts. And so, soybean oil is one of those mass produced, um, manufactured oils that is something that I personally, as a nutrition coach, don't necessarily recommend having in large amounts. Um, so, and just like with any other processed food, you don't want to have a ton of it. So, but why is it's so valued for its protein so soy the soybean is actually uniquely high in protein and fat content and compared when you compare it to other legumes and so the ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 um probably hmm. and so the ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 in soybeans is about one to seven which is actually pretty good with if you compare that to other oils like sunflower or peanut oil it's around one to 100 plus uh, omega-3 to omega-6 and why is that ratio important because well omega-3 fatty acids are you know traditionally like you might hear that when related to fish oil this is an anti-inflammatory which means it helps decrease inflammation whereas omega-6 is also an essential fatty acid But if you consume it in too high of amounts or way out of proportion compared to omega-3s, it can become pro-inflammatory, which means it can increase your inflammation, whether that's like systemic inflammation, um, your body's just not functioning as well as it could be, joint inflammation, things like that. So um, that's why the omega-3, omega-6 ratio Matters, and so the soybean actually has a little bit better ratio there, which is interesting. Soybeans contain a uh, a mix of slow di- digesting carbohydrates, including fiber and other starches, and that may be good for, you know, promoting um, good bacteria in your gut, and it also slows down your digestion. It just helps your digestion function better, uh, so it could be a really beneficial thing, um, unless you have like an intolerance to soy or. Um, But if it's considered GI friendly for you, it could be really good for you. So what's the catch? If soy seems so good because of its protein value, it has a good omega-3, omega-6 value. um, It's widely available because it's produced so massively. um, Then is there something wrong with it? Like, what is it? Well, let's dig a little deeper into that. Like if it's so good, why are some people afraid of it? Um, the catch is soy does contain anti-nutrients and these are things that all plants have in them this is why you have to cook different plants differently like some you can eat raw some you really have to cook them Um, and so like these anti-nutrients they impair digestion and absorption of that valuable protein and the micronutrients that are there in that soybean Um, and so but how do you get rid of those anti-nutrients how can you lower those well it's pretty easy basically if you soak them um, even if you soak it with a little bit of baking soda if you de-hole it which means it's like the outer husk of it so if you soak it and you cook it or there's going to be like this outer husk that you can peel off it's going to usually have to be by hand um then it you're removing a ton of those anti-nutrients if you ferment it um such as in like tempeh then it's going to release a lot of those um it's going to make those other minerals a lot more accessible on that. Um, and if you dehull it and ferment it, um, it's you're going to be able to get majority of that protein and those micronutrients are going to be super good for you and those anti-nutrients are going to be way 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 lower. So, those are some really simple things that you can do to get the most out of, you know, removing those anti-nutrients, but the bigger topic is the isoflavones. These are also called like phytoestrogens. And so these can affect both men and women. So these are kind of the things that's responsible for this big health debate, um, like the good or the bad health effects of soy. Um, if you happen to buy um, like a soy protein powder, um, there's a pretty good chance it'll be pretty high in isoflavones or these phytoestrogens. Um, think like 100 milligrams per serving. When the average you know East Asian um, who will consume soy on a regular basis such as in like japan or china they're only going to get like a maximum of 25 to 50 milligrams of um, soy proteins and these these phytoestrogens these isoflavones from um, their entire day whereas in one scoop of a soy protein isolate you're going to get 100 or more so interesting thing to note why does that matter well there's a debate or rumor uh, going around that there's that these phytoestrogens can hinder men's testosterone, which would thus kind of raise their estrogen and even affect the natural effects of estrogen in women by blocking those receptors for that. Is but is that true? Well, let's dig into the research a little bit. Um, what is true? Is this a superfood that everyone should eat, or a a poison that will re, will really hinder the way your body is supposed to function? Uh, Why is it so polarizing? Um, So let's dig in to see, like, what is the truth about uh, soy here? So let's address some of the major topics in the debate. Thyroid activity. The claim is soy negatively affects thyroid hormone function, resulting in hypothyroidism. Uh, Well, there's been a lot of animal studies on this. They showed some significant results um, that... um, it can pot- potentially affect thyroid issues, but in human studies, there, there hasn't been enough evidence of that. In fact, no human study till date has directly investigated the effects of soy consumption on thyroid status. And so they have seen some evidence in human trials that if you already have um, hypothyroidism, then a high soy intake will not help that. Um, but aside from that, there hasn't been any direct research. Does that mean that it doesn't? absolutely not no not necessarily because there hasn't been enough human trials Um, but let's get into the next one soy may affect heart disease risk the claim is soy lowers heart disease risk the verdict well maybe Um, there hasn't been any long-term interventions that have assessed the effects of soy consumption uh, or isoflavone supplementation on heart disease outcomes and so there's not enough data to make full conclusions on this yet but eating soy may be a piece of helping to lower your ldl cholesterol which is kind of like if that's too high then that's a that's correlated to a higher risk of cardiovascular disease um it also could help be a piece of uh lowering the blood prep your blood pressure if you have high blood pressure um but That could be because of the fiber in it. It could be the isoflavones, you know, in the soy. Uh, But there's not enough uh, evidence to know that, like, it's soy alone helps lower the disease risk. You don't know if it could have been other lifestyle-related things in a long-term trial that could have helped decrease those things as well. But let's get into the bigger debate about, like, the hormonal health for men and women. So, with men... Um, their health of their testosterone is that a big deal like should we be worried about the claim is consuming too much soy makes men less manly (laughs) Uh, so this this is one of the most common concerns so like in theory these isoflavones or these phytoestrogens will bind to the same receptors that a man's testosterone is supposed to and so that means that the testosterone is not going to have the effect. It should. You feel less manly. You might even develop some female characteristics. It's sort of the fear. Uh, you may not put on muscle. You may have uh, other hormonal issues related to lack of testosterone working in your body. And so is that actually true? Is it actually going to increase your estrogen levels as a man? So there's been a lot of studies on this. Um, and they've even had studies... Um, with like absurd amounts of soy products consumed, and so, uh, but overall, like there's one there's one study that had like a 12 week resistance training program where one group was a control group, they just ate normally. One group had whey protein, which is a, a dairy byproduct. There is, uh, and then the other test group was on a soy protein isolate at the end of a 12 week resistance training program like a workout program they had very similar improvements the soy and the whey protein uh, had similar muscle increase and strength improvements and the control group was obviously less because they weren't supplementing at all so interesting that it was relatively the same so it seemed like there wasn't any difference in protein uptake interesting Uh, But there have been some studies who are just like, well, how much would you have to consume to actually uh, see some significant effects, okay? Um, How much would you have to consume to have some negative effects? So there is studies with consumption of up to 70 grams of soy protein uh, containing 240 milligrams of isoflavones per day. That is like crazy high. Okay, so to get seventy grams of soy protein, that you're gonna have to basically have like two kgs of soy soybeans or soy products. Uh, that's like f- over four pounds of soy products in a, in a given day. Um, that's crazy high. When the average like East Asian who regularly has a soy product, their average consumption is just ten to twenty grams of soy protein per day from whole food sources that they're adding. In their dishes. Uh, so, but even those studies show no significant effect on total or free testosterone. Interesting. But as they continue to study further, like, okay, is there any kind of effects at all? Um, is there any studies that do show any sort of negative effects of like a really high soy consumption? Well, they did try to go a little bit deeper there was two cases um where it was reported that there's documented adverse effects negative effects with about 360 milligrams of soy isoflavones per day for 6 to 12 months so that's even more than what the previous study i just mentioned it was like 50 percent more um and then that had some negative side effects such as uh gynecomastia erectile dysfunction and reduced libido in a 60 year old man drinking three quarts or 2.8 liters of soy milk per day that is a lot of soy milk guys uh, that's over half a gallon um and that's that's a challenge to do and uh, so And then there's one other observation of a 19-year-old vegan who was eating large quantities of soy who experienced hypogonadism and erectile dysfunction. So that's just a couple of reports, but that's with just an absurd amount of soy intake. So what's the takeaway here from all of this this research related to men? Well, reasonable intakes of soy foods um, and those phytoestrogens inside of those do not affect men's testosterone levels. Or their estrogen levels or their fertility um, in fact it's, it's just fine with the, with just a moderate intake of soy day-to-day it's not gonna be a big deal men who are at risk of developing prostate cancer this is interesting they might actually uh, by consuming some soy regularly could actually help reduce their risk of prostate cancer by eating soy foods there's some research that is correlating um, a soy, regular soy intake with those isoflavones can actually help with reducing prostate cancer risk. Uh, but they don't appear to benefit men who already have prostate cancer. So what's the takeaway from this? Well, I'd be quicker to worry about obesity, regular exercise, getting enough healthy proteins and fats, managing stress and good sleep patterns, and enjoying intimacy with marriage within marriage for men's testosterone um before you try to blame it on soy so if if you're a man you have low testosterone i would just try to be active regularly lose some weight if you're overweight get enough sleep work on your stress and get those healthy proteins and fats and man if you're married enjoy it in marriage Um, those are going to be things that are going to help a man's testosterone level um, more than worrying about the soy intake overall so what about women's health estrogen progesterone these are really important for women's natural cycles and their natural hormones uh, so the claim is if women consume too much soy, it can affect their natural female hormones. Uh, so let's dive in the research on this a little bit. Soy isoflavones might modestly increase serum estradiol um, concentrations in postmenopausal women. However, soy foods and isoflavones have been associated with a reduced risk of developing breast cancer, and even with reduced risk of dying from diagnosed breast cancer. In addition, soy isoflavin supplementation appears to reduce the frequency and severity of hot flashes. So this could be good for postmenopausal women. There's even been studies that, uh, the protein uptake, um, from soy foods can actually help maintain postmenopausal women's bone density and bone health. And so there's some interesting things there related to breast cancer, to postmenopausal bone health. Um, Women who already have low estrogen or progesterone um, in relation to estrogen uh, should avoid high soy intakes because if there is competition for those receptors, then a really high, and I'm talking about like more than just sprinkling some soy products in there, here and there. Um, We'll get more into exact details of that later. But um, in women with uh, PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome, probably should avoid high soy and have healthier fiber intake um just because those isoflavones are not going to help with the hormone hormonal balance there Um, not to say that if you're i mean you're totally healthy it may not affect you at all so but if you have any disruptions like amenorrhea like with your monthly cycle then it might be good for you to consider um having a lower soy intake so we're getting deep here guys we're going into all different things of soy because i want you to deeply understand like how can it really affect you is there much risk at all for you as a person so but what about our children does uh, consuming a, a high soy diet as like a pregnant mother or having an infant feeding a infant uh, soy based formula if you're like a vegetarian family a vegan family um, or if they have like some uh, milk allergy of some kind is having a soy formula going to affect our children in their development their sexual development well there has been some animal studies that have shown some correlation uh, to negative sexual development with really high phytoestrogens but there hasn't been human studies that have shown the same thing so that just shows the difference between animal studies and human studies you can't necessarily um, equate them exactly the same you have to be able to see the same thing in human studies and so but all that to say like researchers do sort of caution young mothers against a really high soy diet or using a soy based formula um so you wouldn't want to you make that like the a staple in your diet um so that's for pregnant mothers or mothers feeding infants um well so here's some other things to consider about soy um i do not recommend a soy based supplement supplement like a soy isolate because like we mentioned before if your uh, intake of soy protein is extremely high it can actually have some effects um, and also, because um, 90% of soybeans are GMO, genetically modified, um, they go through so much pr- like high processing, um, I really try to help people get whole foods that are minimally processed. And so I'm never going to recommend something that's as highly processed as a soy isolate uh, for my clients. And so if a really, really high intake of phytoestrogens and soy protein can somewhat has a possibility of inhibiting um, our hormone receptors then we, uh, for both men and women then let's not take that soy isolate. Uh, soy milk is different than a soy isolate. Soy isolate is a powder that you put in and make a shake or something out of it. Um, also another thing to consider is soy is a common allergenic food. If you eat soy, any kind of soy product and it gives you lots of gas, it gives, you fit, have like uh, allergy-like symptoms after eating it within a few hours, um, you have any kind of rashes um, or um, any kind of gut irritation then you might have an intolerance towards soy and so try removing it for one to three weeks and see if you have all those symptoms clear up you might have an intolerance of soy um, it's a it's a common food to have some type of intolerance too. Um and soy is also in a lot of the highly processed things that we eat um, so one like try to remove as many of those processed things um as you can from your diet. Um and but also just get used to reading a food label. If you're gonna if you're buying something and it's in a box, you know, look at the food label. Is there any kind of soy or soybean oil or soy lecithin in that? If there's any kind of soy product then you know consider not having that product on your shelf or in your pantry. Um, so you may st- still find soybean oil in seemingly healthy products as well. Um, it's a kind of a, a funny things like in, in order for companies to try to reduce the price of their production they'll use cheaper mass-produced oils so for example like you might find a whole grain bread and they catch your eye with the whole grain on the label but then uh, there's soybean oil in there so read your labels uh, and if you already have thyroid issues Uh, Soy may affect the thyroid as well, making things worse, but there's not evidence supporting any effect on soy on a healthy thyroid. And so as we've gone through this entire thing, okay, we got super sciencey. We got into some research. I know it was probably tough to listen. If you're still listening, I want you to walk away some takeaways uh, today. So we're going to get real practical here. In general, it's hard to go wrong with whole, unprocessed foods. Problems typically occur with processed food. In all forms, including soy. It's not just soy. It's all, all types of processed food. So if you're going to have soy, the least processed kind or fermented form, such as uh, whole soybeans, soy milks, tofu, tempeh, miso, um, are better options. So in those, you're not going to have like a huge plate of any of those. It's going to be just a piece of your food. Um, it's going to be mixed in with the whole thing rather than being the primary space on your plate. And so it's never gonna, never gonna be too much. Um, the manufacturing process removed dietary fiber, carbohydrates, fats, vitamins, minerals, and hundreds of other helpful plant chemicals. So leaving behind almost pure soy protein. So I would rather you have the whole thing rather than getting the super processed thing. The other practical that, it's, that we can walk away with today is it seems best to avoid having a soy isolate. Having whole food is always better. Um, And so but how much of that like whole whole soy product is better? Uh, Well, one cup of soy milk um, no more than two or three times a day is plenty or four ounces of tofu, tempeh, soybeans is going to be one serving for you. Having that uh, no more than three servings a day is going to be a healthy, moderate dose of soy. We can get the benefits of soy without having any sort of negatives at all, as long as it's a good Uh, GI food for you. So if you're postmenopausal, soy may be a good thing to sort of mix into your diet as it can help with um, your breast cancer risk with your bone health. And for men, uh, it can help lower your prostate cancer risk and your LDL and your um, cardiovascular disease risk. So interesting, as we get older, it might be worth having some soy in our diet. Um, But I don't think soy is anything special in in terms of disease prevention or special protein or anything. It's just part of this entire um, access of food that we have. You know, in the modern world, we have so much access to different types of foods. And so I wanted to empower you with knowledge today. Um, And I don't think it's extremely harmful in your quest for optimal health to have soy. It's not extremely harmful in your quest for better body composition or performance. In fact, some individuals may do super well with soy mixed in their diet on a regular basis. So with that said, um, I do caution against excessively high intake of soy, but soy might be just fine for you to have in a regular mixed diet. So I hope this was good for you today and enjoy talking about soy. I wanted to settle a debate for you today to help you see through all the 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 claims the the theories, the rumors, and everything, I want you to be able to make your own conclusions about soy that it's not necessarily the most it's not necessarily the most dangerous or worst thing you can possibly eat and if you eat like ridiculous amounts of it, drinking liters and liters or gallons of uh, soy milk or you're having isolates, then maybe that could affect you. But if you're gonna have just regular soy less processed, minimally processed whole food sources with soy. It will be better off, but if you're trying to avoid the GMOs entirely, then you may want to remove soy from your diet. So, that's that's soy for you today. I hope you enjoyed it, and I'll catch you guys on the next.